0: Anger Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Amen. Thank you very much, everybody. We've heard uh, from Billy on Broken Hearts, Broken Lives from Bethel, and uh, the title I've been given is Broken Hearts from Burundi and uh, you'll see the map coming up here. I don't know how many of you know about Burundi. It's a very insignificant country in the world. It hasn't got diamonds or oil or anything and yet it's, although it might be forgotten on the international arena stage, it's very much remembered by God. And uh, Rwanda to the North uh, got all the headlines for the genocide in 1994. Burundi happened before that and has been going on pretty much up till 2005. So the context of my last 10 years of working in Burundi has been a genocide post-genocidal area where people tried to kill me people I care about got killed I didn't expect to still be alive I've had very intense experiences which are very different from uh, many of our lives here although obviously you guys also went through the trouble so some of you can relate more than others to the the death threats and the listening to the bombs go off and find out later that your friends had his head blown off and that sort of thing We ended up setting up a charity called Great Lakes Outreach This is just giving you a context to what i am going to be sharing this evening Next slide please And uh, basically it's, it's just identifying the best local people I think a missionary's job is to do himself out of a job And to train up the local people Who are much better at it than us anyway It's their country, their culture, their proverbs, that sort of thing And so my vision has been to get behind incredible leaders of integrity and gifting And see them transform the nation And we are seeing it happen in the last 10 years, we've had a chance of seeing a few hundred thousand people come to Christ through evangelism outreach to Muslims. That's one of the group. And uh, at the turn of the year, the third most senior Muslim cleric gave his life to Christ. He had, he had a vision with his wife at the same time of, uh, of Jesus. And uh, he got baptised on the Tuesday On Wednesday the, the, the Muslims came to force him To lead prayers in the mosque And he's been in hiding ever since It's not easy at all Papa Seth, one of our uh, evangelists Two Muslims was shot, was murdered In front of his wife and two kids That's one of the seven groups we support I've worked under Script Union And uh, seen extraordinary blessing there Outreach uh, to, on, to, to schools, on campuses Barbary nights, pastor training, AIDS project We've had a street kids project we've been supporting We've built uh, several schools, orphanage So it's been Amazing how it's come out of virtually nothing And yet the Lord has honoured the commitment of his people who are willing to die And, and I think that's a, a prerequisite to authentic biblical discipleship Is being willing to lay down our lives uh, To see the kingdom of God come It's been my privilege to work alongside a whole load of people uh, Who do that pretty routinely in a, in a war zone conflict Now just a quick plug on a, if, you, if you resonate with what I'm sharing tonight My heartbeat is a call to radical discipleship and this More Than Conquerors, a number of you have already read it already. There's, there's 13 chapters in the book. There's also a DVD with 13 films on it, a la Numa, those of you who know Numa. And I'd love you guys to grab that at the end of the bookshop there. The, the, uh, the book's uh, whatever, six quid or something. The DVD's 13 quid. And uh, use them in home groups and, and stir each other up, iron sharpening iron, so that we don't settle for a diluted gospel, which is largely what the Western church has become. It's a, it's a lowering of the bar, invariably seeking all blessings at no cost, and it's not what Jesus died for. It's not authentic. And I think because you're here this evening That's not what you're aspiring to either So do grab that afterwards Now just to give you an idea, one of the seven groups This is what's going on as of Saturday So the next picture shows a guy called Onesiphor And then S4, this is what we did last year. Last year, at this time of year, we sent out 436 young radicals. I wonder who of you would be willing to do this, into the bush, for two weeks. And they didn't know where they're going to sleep, they didn't know what they're going to eat, they didn't know whether they'd be well received or, or, or rejected or persecuted, but they went out there to be Jesus' hands and feet and mouthpiece. And in two weeks of saturation evangelism, they led dozens of muslims to christ dozens of witch doctors to christ whole communities were transformed churches were planted and those things kind of don't help us to get it so let me tell you a few stories in one area a lady said go away we don't want to listen to you we're not interested in your jesus and then she said we'll listen to you if you heal this demon-possessed girl well there's the challenge isn't it Don't just talk a good game. If you want us to listen to you about your Jesus, heal this demon-possessed girl. So they did. They gathered around her. They prayed over her in Jesus' name. (laughs) All those demons were cast out. On the spot, the antagonistic lady and 20 people gave their lives to Christ. You see, you would, wouldn't you, when you saw the higher power? Witch doctors, when they give their lives to Christ and burn their stuff publicly, that's a public uh, submission to a higher power, if you like. In one incident, 70 people on that hill that he controlled by fear, on the spot, gave their lives to Christ. It was, it's very much the Acts of the Apostles. And we, we, read, we read the Acts, don't we? Think I mean, That might, might have happened 2,000 uh, 2, years ago, but surely it doesn't happen today. But those guys will do, starting this Saturday. And I want you to pray for it. This Saturday, we are sending not 436 last year, but 600 young radicals to go and beat Jesus' hands and feet. And they will do the Acts of the Apostles. In terms of the casting out demons, getting their heads kicked in. That's authentic discipleship, isn't it? Facing persecution. Being rejected, healing the sick, seeing many people come. Last year, in two weeks of saturation, strategic evangelism, they spoke one-on-one to 60,000 people, and 26,000 people chose to give their lives to Christ. But you see, that's a lot of very intentional, passionate, zealous evangelism, isn't it? That's a lot of man hours at it. So, uh, Acts the Apostles, down to the weird stuff, like, you know, in Acts 19, you've got uh, Paul who's... Who uh, really naps off the people that make uh, shrines to Artemis of the Ephesians Do you remember that? And so he gets falsely accused and gets put in prison and asked to leave the next day shunted out. Well that happened in Burundi exactly the same as our guys they converted a witch doctor, he's got together six of his witch doctor mates, they burnt their charms publicly, that really annoyed the people that made the charms so they accused our guys and they got put in prison that's Ephesians, Acts 19 isn't it? And then the next day, the, the police released them from their cell and they came out of the police station and uh, a tornado suddenly sprung up and came towards them and that the policemen were bricking themselves. So they legged it and the believers stood their ground. This, this tornado came right up to them, split in two, destroyed both houses on either side. And then the policeman came back and said, Who is your Jesus? That's not banger Christianity, is it? But it is the same Jesus. Another incident, the... the uh, the team were in this uh, witchcraft uh, this witch doctor's den dismantling all his jujus and fetishes and stuff and he came rushing back in and said what are you doing get out and one of the lads carried on and he, he was about to take the, the powder off the lintel on the door that that witch doctor used to curse people and kill them and I don't know if you struggle to believe this stuff but you don't at all when you've been in Africa for any length of time and so as the young lad was about to touch the powder the witch doctor screamed to stop stop if you touch that we will all die And the young lad carried on and he took that powder and they all died. No, they didn't. (laughs) They didn't all die and because they didn't all die on the spot that witch doctor fell to his knees and gave his life to Christ. Now, I hope that challenges us. Now, could that happen here? I mean, obviously we're in less fruitful mission fields here, aren't we? People aren't as receptive to the gospel. But I found it profoundly challenging how willing they are to step out of their comfort zones. How willing they are to face rejection. How bold and and passionate in their convictions they are that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. The power of the name of Jesus to to deliver people, to heal them, to set them free from the shackles of sin, the guilt, the, the oppression that they're living under. And that same Jesus is needed here, isn't he? Amen? And so I'd love you to pray. And by the way, wherever I go, whenever I get the chance to speak publicly, I always say, wherever I go, I do not want your money. This is not about an appeal for money, but I would love you to pray. So on Saturday, literally this Saturday, for the next 10 days, 600 youngsters will be out there in the bush. And please pray. Because Onesville who runs this, the guy on the slide, he he said every year that you've asked for prayer, we've been covered and we've had less opposition, less people arrested, that sort of thing. So will you pray? And if you are willing to pray, and in general, i put a number of sheets of paper all over the place. Could you start circulating them now and just sign up your email? And what it will mean is in about a month's time, I'm going to give you the feedback. And every couple of months, no one's forced to sign up, but please get those papers circulating. And then the benefit I'll I'll get leaving here is knowing we've got a few more hundred prayers. And our whole work has been so staggeringly fruitful and society-shaping because of the prayer. That's one of the partners. We've got seven partners. One of them is uh, very much involved uh, involved with Langham Partnership and uh, their training of students, the local IFES branch, and uh, equipping leaders to transform that nation. It's been, it's been very, very exciting. I'm not doing this as a lone ranger. In fact, I went out as a single nutter, maybe, and I expected to die, and, I, and I'm still alive. And uh, now the Lord's given me a beautiful wife and uh, the gift of children. And that's been... Uh, fabulous to share the journey with someone after a, a, a lot of uh, well lonely years of just going it alone in a sense now just look at my daughter there i named her after the next picture so i named her after this girl this girl was an abortion so this girl she started her life thrown away down a toilet now a toilet in half the world africa particularly is a pit latrine a hole in the ground so this girl was a, was a discarded piece of flesh and she was thrown away and she landed down in the filth And someone must have been about to go to the loo and seen something move or shimmer down there in the filth And they fished her out and somehow this discarded piece of flesh was still alive And she weighed two pounds And she was fed through a pet tube like a little bird She was cleaned off that filth and now she's fine growing up down the road from me And her name is Grace Isn't that a fabulous name? That's what my daughter's called. We called her that because I want her to know that she's a gift. The biggest lesson that I've learned in the extreme context of a hell on earth place is that life is a gift. People have tried to kill me. People said they're going to cut out my eyes. That's the first time I said, thank you, Lord, that I can see. And I'll speak as an Englishman, as opposed to most of you who are Irish. You know, English people, our national pastime is moaning. We've got so much, and yet we always see the glasses half empty. And may those of us who are, whose natural propensity is towards the moaning on the spectrum, may we, may, we, may we hear that rebuke this evening. Rejoice in what you've got. Be grateful. Grateful people are happy people. And as I seek to challenge us in the few minutes we have this evening, please hear it. It's coming from a place of grace. That's, you know, you, you, you can give people guilt chips. Guilt is a cripplingly negative emotion, but gratitude is energizing and empowering. And why do I choose to lay down my life for the King of Kings? Because he did it for me. And because of that eternal reward, that I can't wait to get to all. And I hope you can echo Philippians 1, 18 and following. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. It's a win-win if we're flat out following Jesus Christ. Amen? Last couple of pictures before I kick in with what I really wanted to say. And that's basically just where I've been for the last year. I've had visa problems. And all I want to say on this is whether you go to All Nations, if you're interested in mission, or Redcliffe, or or Belfast Barbell College, or or wherever it is, please don't undervalue training in mission. Because I'm on the ground out there and loads of people come out and, you know, they're well-meaning, but they're total muppets. (laughs) Because they haven't realized that to be effective and communicate the gospel cross-culturally, it's a whole different ballgame. So if you're interested in missions, get, get equipped before you go. Because my time all nations equipped me And as I've already said one of the mantras I came out with Was a missionary's job is to do himself out of the job And the next picture shows one of the things we've done Which is it's called the King's Conference Centre It's the best conference centre in Burundi A strap line would be excellence in Jesus' name Colossians 3.23 whatever you do All of us say whatever we do work at it with all your hearts Working for the Lord not for men And this is the best in Burundi. It reflects well on Jesus, the King of Kings. It's called the King's Conference Center. It employs 51 people. It's uh, generating tens of thousands of pounds in a crippled economy. The context is extraordinary to be recycled back into pastor training and evangelism and equipping the saints. And so I've kind of hopefully done myself out of a job there. That's been the target. And so thank you for those who sign up for the emails, that's great, because you will, you will get to hear more and more about this, this extraordinary journey that the Lord's taken us on. Now, I'm not meant to be giving a preach, and, and I, I, I'm usually into expository preaching, so I'm not going to do that, but this evening I want to talk on the cost. If you had a subtitle to my title that was given to me, Broken Hearts, hyphen, I want to call it The Cost of Compassion. The cost of compassion. And Jesus in in Matthew 9, you know, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So in the time we've got remaining, I want to talk about the cost of compassion. compassion. Let me tell you a story. Let me read you a story. It's a true story. It comes from uh, Stop the Traffic. Eleanor was 28 when the factory where she worked closed down. Unemployed and desperate for money, she answered an advertisement in a local newspaper for au pair work in Northern Ireland. She met with her recruiter who helped her fill in some forms and told her that a visa would be arranged for her. She was asked to pay $700 deposit up front before travelling, which she did with support from her family. Eleanor, who believed she was travelling legally, handed her passport over to her Moldovan trafficker at the start of the journey. Together they travelled overland by car, coach and plane to Belfast via Prague, Spain, Germany, France and Dublin. Elna realised she was travelling illegally when the traffickers gave her an Italian passport to use between France and Spain. And when she arrived in Belfast, Eleanor was told she owed the traffickers £20,000 in travel costs. And that she would have to work as a prostitute and pay them back. She was taken to the red light district where she spent four months working seven days a week having sex with up to 20 men a day in three different flats. She was allowed £15 a day for food, cigarettes and condoms so she had to choose between her health or her sanity. She was told she would pay off her debt much more quickly if she gave special services including having sex without a condom. She was locked in and only allowed out for work and was permitted no contact with other women. Elna was afraid. She was so afraid to say anything about her situation to the men who had sex with her, or even to the police who visited her flat on one occasion, as her traffickers had threatened to harm her family if she did. Eventually she managed to escape by jumping out of a second floor window after being locked in the flat alone one day. Elna now suffers constant back pain from the injuries she sustained during her escape, and is afraid to go out alone. Now, are any other of you struggling not to cry when you hear that? You know, I hope we are. I hope we are blessed with the gift of tears. You see, because otherwise we just hardened our hearts. And maybe it's, it's fatigue of those stories. Maybe, particularly for us men, we, 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 you want to cry right, right now and you've just kept the tears in fight inside. In fact, that's a proverb from Burundi. Ama yuburundi, aguye munda. The tears of a Burundian man fall inside his belly. He's not allowed to cry. You see, as we look at the cost of compassion, the first step is tears the first step is being moved when jesus saw the crowds he had compassion on them and what is compassion the dictionary definition of compassion is a deep awareness of the suffering of another coupled with the wish to relieve it compati from the latin to suffer with and maybe we need to pray that prayer lord god forgive me for looking at the world with dry eyes you see i come from a place of many tears i mean look at burundi there in the heart of africa the precious heart of africa and yet it's one hell of a mess i'm not, not using those words lightly look at those skulls representative of several hundred thousand people keep going on these clothes left those visual reminders from the dead bodies and again in that petrol station, a hundred kids were forced inside and burnt alive for being tall from the wrong tribe. Next one. 163 people killed up the road from me, burned a machete to death. Just a few miles, Where I've often preached. Desperately grim. Next one. And Freddie, my best mate with whom I've, I've nearly been killed on a number of occasions, he said to me when I left Burundi, Simon, please don't stop shedding tears for Burundi. Because we brunians we've got no tears left to cry. And I do. You see, I've had the choice before God of either hardening my heart, settling for cynicism, and giving up hope of being able to make a difference, or, as our definition says, embracing a deep awareness of the suffering of others coupled with a desire to relieve it. To suffer with. In Bible speak, we're invited to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Romans eight seventeen says that we are co-heirs with Christ. Isn't that extraordinary? What an amazing privilege. We're co-heirs with, with Christ. If. Indeed we share in his. Sufferings. In order that we may also share in his glory so brothers and sisters it does it makes me weep when i think of the women down the road from me in their tens of thousands who've been systematically raped as a tool of war and not just rape but shot in the vagina as a tool of war to demoralize the men It makes me weep to think of a little Johnny down the road from me who, He's there in my arms there Look, I'm holding him he's, he's eight years old in that picture He's the size of a three year old Because when he was three He had the trauma of seeing his mum and dad act, act to death And the killers forced him to eat his dad's genitals You see, we don't want to hear this But you see Although ignorance is bliss we, we, We're not called to be ignorant One part of the body suffers We all suffer It's horrific That's the realities of war It's very hard to be pro-war and yet that's not the end of the story of that precious little Johnny. And, and remind me, if I don't come back to complete a beautifully redemptive part of his story. But you see, I know you guys are sleeping. We, we're about being worldwide Christians, aren't we, followers of Christ? So we don't want to choose ignorance. And there's, there's no excuse for it nowadays. there no access to information through, through the web. But you see, my temptation might you t- might to get you to come out and help me in Burundi. And that's not my agenda this evening. Because there are actually thousands of elders even down the road in Belfast. I don't know if Bangor's big enough to have brothels. You'll know that. But the needs are everywhere. And in John 11, 35, we read of Jesus uh, finding out that his best, one of his best mates has died. And that shortest verse in the Bible, you all know it, Jesus died wept lord forgive me for looking at the world with dry eyes and you guys don't know me some of you some of you do a few but uh, i i come from a, a place of privilege i went to england's most expensive school a very privileged upbringing my father's minted very wealthy and and yet i take it on the chin that with privilege comes responsibility isn't that right so jesus says in luke twelve forty eight. so those who've been given much much will be required and most of us in this room we come from a place of massive privilege And it's all relative anyway, isn't it? As my uh, pastor's brother, 18-year-old brother, died in his arms because he didn't have three pounds for the medicine across the counter. I've had that disease umpteen times. I'm a rich white boy. I've got three quid. I'm still around to tell the tale. Three quid for a life. That's sick, isn't it? Or the the girl at one of our scripture union camps who stood up and confessed to sleeping with a priest to get three quid to pay her school fees. You see, all of you girls would have done that. Because otherwise you wouldn't have carried on. You've got no chance of getting a job without an education. It's really tough, isn't it? With privilege comes responsibility. And I thank you, Lord, for the gifts and the privilege you've given me. And that leads me on to my second T, if you like. So the cost of compassion involves involves tears, but that's just a a launch pad engaging emotionally. And then it involves strategically my talents. So tears and then talents. And you might not feel very talented. You could think, what have I got to offer? All of us, we've got something to offer. It could just be those metaphorical five loaves and two fish. You could have been given one talent or two talents or five talents in that uh, parable metaphor again, but whatever it is, bring it to the Lord this evening. Bring it to the Lord. Don't, don't shortchange yourself and, and hundreds or thousands of people around you in terms of what the eternal implications of a surrendered life could be. And I hope that you believe that where you are and who you are and what you're doing is not an accident. It's not an accident. I hope you have a sense of calling As a mother, as a father, as a student As a professional, unemployed unemployed, Whatever, all of us A sense of of calling in who we are So we have all these sorts of different talents And we work in different spheres But all of us, please, choose to make a difference Osgin has said this Calling is the truth That God calls us to himself so decisively That everything we are Everything we do Everything we have is invested with a, a special devotion and dynamism lived out as a response to his summons and service. So it could be in the political arena, it could be in the arts and media, uh, education, business. It's all the mission field, right? All those places need the light and the salt of Christ to permeate and and suffuse and saturate as we seek to be God's agents of transformation. And so the cost of compassion will involve your talents. And lastly, tears, talents, and time. It's been 10 years so far in Burundi for me, 25 years at Bethel. It's an ongoing journey, isn't it? And uh, we're not in for the quick fix. It's not a 100 metres sprint, is it? It's a, we're in it for the long haul. So it could be me and Burundi. It could be you on the school board. It could be outreach into the local community. And, you know, we might feel marginal. We might feel intimidated. We might feel like we're a minority. But listen. Okay, listen. Majorities don't normally change things. Creative Minorities change things. And then the majority just go along with it. As anthropologist Margaret Mead famously said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's it's the only thing that ever has. So the potential of this convention is staggering, isn't it? And so quickly, you know, I want to earth this in reality. Those of you who got those sheets, pick them up right now, please. And this petition, it very much ties into what Patrick Subdo was talking about a couple of nights ago. Let's all sign this petition right now. I want us to see that, I mean, this is mission. This is advocacy. This is campaigning so that laws do not get put into place. In this case, it's the organization of Islamic Conference, which is seeking to lobby the UN to have a law in place which gives privileged status to Islam, which, the outworking working of which is basically in places like Pakistan, where the blasphemy law is used with monotonous regularity. Brothers and sisters of ours get put the slammer and get killed very easily because if they get released, they've been accused of blasphemy, that they then get bumped off so will all of us please get, grab those sheets of paper and whilst I'm carrying on for the last couple of minutes, sign up and then we lobby and you see, do you remember that Edmund Burke quote all that it takes for evil to prosper is for righteous people to do nothing and I'd love this to become something we do. Each year at Bangor, I've, I've done it at the six other conferences I've been recently, getting thousands of people mobilized to, 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 to lobby the UN for this. And do you know what? It works. Three years ago, I did a campaign at these conferences. I said, I'll come back next year and we will have changed the law. And I came back the next year and we had changed the law. We've got to break through apathy. So please, start doing that right now and let's get those done. And then quickly, as we come towards an end now, I want to tell you a story of a, man, of a little boy who totally changed my life. And uh, his name was Bongani. He was 10 years old. You can see him there, uh, sat next to me on the beach. This is Durban Beach. Bongani was dying of AIDS. His dream was to see the sea before he died. That's not a big dream, is it? And this is actually when I was preaching in South Africa a few years ago. It wasn't a big dream. That's what he wanted. I had three days with Bongani. He wasn't fun to be with. He was dying. His body rallied when we told him we we're going to show him the sea. We drove six hours down from Johannesburg to Durban. When his eyes saw the sea, they lit up. And we got onto the beach and we put on his swimming togs and we paddled into the water. And then this great big crashing wave came and he was breaking himself. So we got back out again. But he had his dream. Now, do you know the starfish story? There's been a storm and tens of thousands of starfish have been washed up on the shore. And a starfish out of water is going to die. And you've got this little boy in his youthful zeal and he's walking on the beach and he's bending over and he's picking up these starfish and one by one he's throwing them in, but there's tens of thousands. So he's not making much of an impression. And that's what a cynical old person walks up and says to him, hey give up, look there's tens of thousands, you can't make a difference, you're wasting your time, give up. And the little boy listened respectfully and he bent over and he picked another one up. And he said, well, it made a difference to that one, didn't it? Bob was just a starfish, right? One of two million AIDS orphans in South Africa. Staggering statistic. I just want to bury my head in the sand. I don't want to know about that. But you see, Bongani totally got under my skin as we were driving back to Johannesburg. It was cold in the back of the truck. He, he, rest, he sort of snuggled into the crook of my neck, this snotty-nosed, husky lung little boy who was dying. And Anthony, the other side there, the, the big meathead, he, 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 he'd flummoxed me with a question. What's God's purpose with Bongani's life? And I, as I listened to his snotty nose and husky lungs that were basically dying and breaking down, I was broken because he wasn't a statistic. This is a little boy made in God's image of a massive worth. Just like each one of us here. And what difference can we make? Please, choose to make a difference. Please don't be a nice, respectable, middle-class person. That's not what Jesus died for. It's really not. That's a distortion of the gospel. You know, it was said of Doris, Dorothy Day that she loved the truth enough to live it. Romans eight twenty four talks about the glorious hope we have, our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. That's a staggering hope, isn't it? Our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Who else has got that hope? Some of you look at me, my death warmed up. Have you got that hope? It's an incredible hope. What, what, why aren't more people asking us about our hope? I think it's because we look like we hope in the same stuff that they do. So deep in darkest Africa somewhere near me where I am there's there's a village fire And it's during the night and one house was totally burnt down and the villagers listened to the screams of the family who were burning to death inside. And they all died apart from at the last minute someone got through a window and as the walls were were falling in they managed to snatch free and rescue the baby, the baby boy. And he was saved. And the next day the elders convened to discuss what would be the fate of this parentless orphan. And he must be kind of special because the Spirits that had allowed him to survive And so the witch doctor came along And said I want to lay claim To this, body beca- this boy because He must have special powers And I want to nurture and mentor him in that And the neighbour came along and said No, 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 uh, his father had a debt to me An unpaid debt so I lay claim to the boy And the, the, the chief of the village Came and said no, no, no I'm the chief, I'm going to have him And the richest man in the village came along and said No, 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 uh, I'm the one that can give him The best education And then a grotty, smelly, disheveled man came forward, a nobody in the village, and he said, No, I will have the boy. And there was a a delayed response, incredulity, and then scoffing, sniggering amongst the elders as they said, What? You? But you're a nobody. Look at you. What's your claim to the boy? And then he opened up his hands, and they were blistered and burnt and charred. And his claim to the body, the baby boy, was that he rescued that baby boy. And that was Jesus' cost of compassion. He sacrificed himself to rescue you, to rescue me. We belong to him. He is our life, our Lord, our hero, our hope. And yet, how does that relate to us in our cynical world, both in and outside the church? You know, cynicism comes out of despair. But the the antidote to cynicism is not optimism, but action. Action. And action is finally born out of hope. And the hope we have is in Jesus Christ, whose scarred hands reach out to you. They reach out to me. They embrace us. They comfort us. They heal us. They draw us along with Him. They beckon us. And then they even push us out into the world to live lives of costly compassion. Are you in? I said I'd finish the story about little John. You know, he had that hideous experience where he stopped growing from the trauma of seeing the graphic murder of his parents. And then at age eight, he understood or he, by faith, enacted uh, and obeyed what Jesus said about love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. you. If you won't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And if you forgive, you will be forgiven. And do you know what happened when he forgave? He started growing again. Literally. Physically growing again. As well as spiritually, emotionally, metaphorically. That's the power of Jesus. That's the power of Jesus in Burundi. That's the power of Jesus here in Bangor. And so, in this talk, I've been teeing you up to embrace the cost of compassion please don't think that any of us here cannot make a difference please come to God and offer him your tears your talents and your time and he will use you he will use me to change the world I'll do it in Burundi Billy will do it at Bethel you might be called to do it in Banger or Belfast or Birmingham or Bristol or across to Belgium or Botswana or, or Bhutan wherever But what we can't do is is get to the end of our lives and and be sat there in a recliner with a shriveled soul and think, I just missed it. I played it safe. I've got all this stuff. I'm not going to take any of it with me. And I just didn't have the courage to step out and embrace the extraordinary, costly, authentic, challenging, beautiful adventure of faith. So that's the offer for each one of us this evening it's not a soft sell it will cost you, it will cost you tears your talent and your time and what are you waiting for? what are we waiting for? who are we waiting for? we are the ones we've been waiting for amen We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org/slash/donate.